Hello, I'm Amanda Berman from the University of Nebraska College of Law with our Space Cyber and Telecommunications program. Recently, the College of Law earned a grant from NASA Nebraska to create a space law network. To that end, we're creating these videos about general space law with some of the industry's experts. Today with me is Professor Koplau of Georgetown University to discuss Article 4 of the Outer Space Treaty. Professor? Thank you, uh, and it's a great pleasure to be with you and to talk about one aspect of this very important treaty. I'm going to zoom in on Article 4 and try to dissect what it does and what it doesn't do. But let me give you just a bit of broader background. This treaty was negotiated shortly after the opening of the space age. In fact, one of the remarkable things about this instrument was the way it demonstrates that sometimes the international community can respond bond with remarkable speed and finesse in crafting new norms of international law quickly. Uh, ordinarily, the process of negotiating a treaty or creating norms of customary international law can take years or decades. And here, within 10 years, uh, the world had come together on the fundamentals of the Outer Space Treaty, the, still the most important norm in the area, still the, the constitution for the the exploration of outer space. But as a result of that, the treaty is brief. It does not have the elaborate uh, dissected aspects that many more recent international arms control agreements have. It does not have the creation of an international organization. It does not have uh, detailed specifications for verification of other countries' compliance with their norms. Instead, what we've got is a pretty terse statement of a few prescriptions, and Article 4 is a good example of that, and so we can dive right into what it says. Article 4 has, Article 4 is often overstated. People often say that Article 4 is a general prohibition on nuclear weapons or other activities of that sort in outer space. It's not quite that uh, that broad. So let's take a look at what Article 4 says. Article 4 requires uh, that parties of the treaty undertake, and then there are three specific verbs, three specific actions that countries cannot take with respect to nuclear weapons or other weapons of mass destruction. They undertake not to place those devices in orbit around the Earth. They undertake not to install such weapons on celestial bodies and not to station such weapons in outer space in any other manner. And that covers a lot. In fact, that's, uh, that's why they were able to agree on that, was that it was the basic prohibition on what was seen at the time as the most threatening, the most dangerous aspects of activities that might stir a nuclear arms race in outer space. But just as important is what the treaty does not prohibit. First of all, it's confined, this part, this part of the Outer Space Treaty is confined only to nuclear weapons and other weapons of mass destruction. That means it has, this part has nothing to do with other weapons, conventional weapons, laser beams, other kinds of weapons that would not be weapons of mass destruction, not covered by this prohibition at all. Secondly, this provision does not cover other verbs that might be of interest, such as using a nuclear weapon in a transit of outer space, going from a launch on Earth up into outer space and back to a target on Earth. There's a nuclear weapon going into outer space, but it is not in orbit around the Earth. It is not 
uh, installed on a celestial body. It is not stationed in outer space. It transits outer space. And that's, I think, a good example of a general practice in arms control. It might not be too cynical to say that what the negotiators undertook was to prohibit the specific activities that none of them was interested in doing anyway, or that none of them had the capability of doing, and preserving the legal right to do the things they did want to do. In 1967, the countries thought they might want to have a continued legal, pro uh, legal process for using nuclear weapons on intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, or submarine-launched ballistic missiles. And therefore, they did not prohibit that. They prohibited putting nuclear weapons in orbit, installing them on celestial bodies, and them in space. And that's a valuable contribution, but it's by no means everything. Second aspect of Article 4 that we'll talk about more briefly is the second paragraph that says that the moon and other celestial bodies shall be used exclusively for peaceful purposes. Um, there it's noteworthy that peaceful purposes is a phrase that has its own ambiguity. Um, some people wanted to say that the opposite, that the contrast, uh, the opposite of peaceful purposes is military purposes and that the moon and other celestial bodies are to be preserved for non-military applications only. The United States, and I think the dominant interpretation around the world, is different. The, the dominant interpretation is that the opposite of peaceful is aggressive, and therefore military activities in outer space on the moon and other celestial bodies are allowed as long as they are not aggressive. And the rest of that paragraph in Article 4 says that you, uh, that you can't establish military bases, installations, and fortifications. You can't test weapons of any type. You uh, can't, can't conduct military maneuvers on celestial bodies. But you can use military personnel for scientific research or other peaceful purposes. Uh, and, uh, and the use of military equipment and facilities in support of those peaceful purposes is not prohibited. So that, in a nutshell, is what Article 4 is all about. Tremendously important a monumental accomplishment in the evolution of international law for peaceful applications in outer space, but at the same time, quite a limited set of prescriptions. It's easy to overstate what, the, what Article 4 of the Outer Space Treaty actually accomplishes. And Professor, how do you see Article 4, do you see it changing or adapting with the rise of private sector space capabilities? So Article 4 is not much concerned with, uh, with private activities in outer space. The growth in the private sector activities in outer space probably not have much to do with Article 4. But there are other efforts to expand the coverage of Article 4 to elaborate additional tools of arms control in outer space. The sad story is that so far none of those proposals has gotten very far and the prospects for the immediate prospects for arms control in outer space that would elaborate the control regime beyond what's currently in Article 4 is, um, is not a hopeful outlook. Well, thank you for your time and for your diligence and your expertise on this matter. We really appreciate having you with us for this.